Hi, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Voices of Highland podcast. As always, I'm your host, Frank Lipsky. And on today's episode, I have Gina with me. How are you doing, Gina? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. It's nice to have you uh, on the show with me doing a co-hosting. So for today's episode, we have in studio with us Gail Holthouse. And Gail is with the Greg Holthouse Memorial Fund. And more importantly, she's Greg's mom. Gail, how are you doing? I'm doing great. So Gail, why don't we start by just telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? Okay, yes, I live in Highland. I've been here 28 years. Uh, my husband, Mark, moved here after his first wife passed away. He had three children, so he, he chose Highland. And um, we've been married. We, he had three children. We've been married for 28 years now. And um, together we had two children. So altogether we have five children. Okay. So Gail, I heard your story at the ladies auxiliary meeting at, at our Knights of Columbus Hall. And um, I, after hearing you tell your story, I felt like you needed to be on our show. So I think it's great what you're doing in Greg's honor. And I think the community would benefit from hearing your story. So why don't you go ahead and tell us about Greg? Well, thank you. I I must admit that uh, talking about Greg is one of my favorite subjects. So I'm never at a loss for words with Greg. Um, yeah, Greg was the youngest of five children. At the age of 18, he was visiting friends at uh, the University of Missouri in Columbia. He was um, in his first semester at Rankin Technical College. So this was kind of like his first road trip. Anyway, he left on Saturday morning and I made him pancakes. We had a big breakfast, got a nice hug from him, goodbye. And he went off to have fun with his friends. Greg woke up Sunday morning very early and he told his friend he wasn't feeling well. His friend made him some toast because he thought, well, maybe that'll that'll kind of help him. Uh, that didn't really do it for him. So he showed him where the dorm bathroom was. And Greg told him he'd like to take a shower, thought maybe that would kind of help. So his friend went, got him, you know, extra clothes. And he went back to sleep, which is exactly what, what I would have done. His friend woke up a few hours later and realized that Greg was not around. He hadn't come back. So he woke up their other friend who was there with them and they went to the dorm bathroom and they found Greg on the floor and he was blue and he was unresponsive. These were two of his best friends that he was with that weekend having a good time and they were the ones that found him. I think someone came in shortly after that who was a lifeguard and they started CPR but it was too late and I think they kind of knew that. Um, they, you know, called 911 and he was taken to the area hospital. Um, I remember one of his friends was saying that he was really mad because he said, it. he said, you know, I kind of thought that he was gone when we saw him, but they gave us hope like, oh, you know, he's, he's we're working on him and he's going right. to pull through and, and he didn't. So that's how we lost Greg. I always say Greg's the one that got away. It was just a big shock. We, you know, we couldn't have, you know, been more thrown, you know, it was like a bus hit us. But Greg himself, Greg was, Greg was a very sociable 
guy. He was awesome, of course, because he was my son. Absolutely. And I, I'm going to say he's awesome, even if he wasn't. As you should. He was a normal kid, so sometimes he was a little stinker, you know, which is a nice word to say. <laughs> but so, yeah, he was just your normal average kid. But he was funny. He made jokes. He was he was good with words. He loved coaching. He loved helping people. You know, I was told after he passed away, one of the parents told me that her son, she was like, why, you know, how come you're so upset? She just didn't understand it because she didn't think her son really knew Greg. And he said, Mom, you don't understand. He said, I wouldn't have made it through high school if it wasn't for Greg. Because every morning, Greg came and he found me and he said, hey, how's it going? It's going to be a good day. If you have any problems, you come see me. And, you know, that was just like, what? My kid who's at home, like, complaining about everything? You know, so these are things that that I never even knew about him. And I heard other stories like that. There was one girl who, it was his mission to make this girl smile. And evidently he did. So he was just very, very likable, very fun kid. At the lunchroom, one of his friends told me that um, she said, yeah, Greg never really sat with us because he would always go to a different table every day. He'd just go sit with different kids. So that's that's a little bit about Greg. And as a mom, doesn't that warm your heart to hear those Oh my stories? gosh. Because, you know, those kids, you know, I, I know for us, we have two teenagers that they don't always share stuff like that. But when you hear stories from other people of how an influence your child is on someone else that warms your heart. So that's those are great memories for you to hold oh, on yeah. to. Oh yeah. I mean it's like I said, he was he was a regular kid, so at home he treated his parents just like everybody else treats their parents, sometimes very good and very loving and sometimes not so good, you know. But anyway, when you know, when Greg first when he passed away, his actually his brother and brother in law decided that they wanted to start the Greg Holthouse Memorial Fund. And what they had in mind for it was because Greg played football and he played baseball and those and he loved coaching. He was coaching at Rankin, the flag football team, which we found out too later. But anyway, they just thought, well, you know, we'll get some money raised and give it to, to Little League teams and help out with baseball and football. And that was fine at first. But as we found out more about what happened to Greg, because Greg, you know, he went into sudden cardiac arrest and he died. He died because he had an undetected heart condition known as hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. And I'm not a medical person, but as I understand it, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy or HCM is an enlarged heart and your heart is a muscle and so your heart isn't getting bigger, but it's the muscles are getting thicker. So the, the chamber that pumps the blood is getting smaller, making it harder to pump. After Greg passed away, we realized that we needed to focus more on things that were related to the heart and to, to cardiac issues. So our mission statement is that we are dedicated to providing training, testing, and equipment vital to preventing and treating sudden cardiac arrest. By that we mean with, um, I'll take each, each thing, the training, the testing, and equipment, and tell you a little bit about what we do. 
Um, with the training, we um, provide free CPR classes through St. Joseph's Hospital, and we also sometimes do a few free ones here and there. The reason why we do CPR classes and why we think that they're important is because when Greg went down, he was by himself. So we'll, we'll never know whether he could have survived this event. But we do know that if he had, if there was someone there to do CPR immediately, his chances of survival would have been much greater. We also know that if there would have been an AED accessible, his chances of survival would have went up even more. And we also know that the heart condition that he had would have been picked up on a testing, on a screening, which would be a simple EKG. Those are the three most important things to us. So keeping that in mind, we do the free CPR classes. The testing, we do heart screenings, which a little shout out, our next heart screening will be January 6th, 2020. And we're, we're holding it at St. Paul Parish Center. If you're interested in uh, signing up for that, it's for uh, youth 12 to 22 years old. And the information to sign up for that is at mcorefoundation.com. The testing itself is normally about $75. We have a group that comes in and does it. We charge $34 because 34 was Greg's baseball number. So 34 is kind of a special number to us. So we charge $34 or, and then the Memorial Fund picks up the rest of that. So, Gail, I know uh, like our kids play sports and now being in high school and in college, they have to have a physical every year before they play. Is this not something that would have been caught on one of those physicals? Nope. The thing is, is that on most physicals in general, because Greg, he had his last physical six weeks before he died. They check the heart by using a stethoscope. The stethoscope is 200 years old. So... You know, it's probably not the the best way to check a heart. An EKG is really not a super expensive procedure. What he had would have been picked up on an EKG. It would have been picked up by someone who knows what to look for. And that would be awesome if these kind of tests were, you know, incorporated into sports physicals. And that is something we're kind of working towards. Yeah, I guess it's like anything else. I mean, if you don't expect a 16, 17, 8-year-old boy who has been an athlete and played sports, there's not an assumption that he has some underlying disease there. So I guess, you know, I would imagine most physicians aren't necessarily even going to be looking for that. Uh, At least they weren't back then. Yeah. And, you know, that's the thing. Uh, You know, with Greg, it, a lot of times the first symptom is death because you know there there are no other symptoms a lot of times there are symptoms but because they're so young they you know either you know I've heard of many doctors who've kind of oh well this is just you know just a little stress or just a little this or you know and then there's also you know like if a kid might have some chest pain or shortness of breath they might be like well yeah I'm too young this this isn't you know they don't take it seriously 
Yeah, or you may have pulled a muscle or you may have all the things that it normally is. In those and, and one thing, too, is that um, we belong to a group called Parent Heart Watch. And um, they believe that death by sudden cardiac arrest is preventable in our youth. That's the thing. It's preventable if, you know, when you have your sports physicals, if you do your sports, if you fill out the paperwork with your child, because, you know, you're sitting here, your kid's out somewhere, do they have chest pains? No, they never told me. But if you ask your child, they might be like, well, you know, actually, you know, I kind of have had that once in a while. So there might be things that, you know, you don't, wouldn't pick up on because you didn't ask. And maybe as the seven, you know, as because they're young too, they may blow it off as well and be like, it was, it's yeah. nothing, you know, it's just mm-hmm. a little chest pain, you know, to them, it's mm-hmm. no big deal. So Gail, um, we've covered that, you know, you do the training and the CPR classes, and then you also do the testing, which you encourage uh, anyone in that age range to go out and get the testing if possible. But tell me about the equipment. I know that's a big part of this and a big part of where the funding goes um, to provide equipment. Yes, we provide, um, we donate AEDs, our automated external defibrillators. An AED is used when someone is, if they've gone into sudden cardiac arrest, their heart's not beating. If their heart's not beating, it's not pumping blood to their organs. So the CPR will help get the heart started, but the AED will send an electric shock that will get it going. So yes, we um, have donated uh 19 AEDs to date so we're and then we also have helped other people purchase them I think we've helped um, five different either individuals or organizations purchase them through our membership at Parent Heart Watch we're able to get a, a good price on AEDs so with those AEDs you say you donated 19 of them so far how do you determine who gets the AEDs or do they come to you and request them or how can talk a little bit about that how how that works they come to us usually if you ask and if we have the funds you'll get one and at some point I think we're going to need to make some kind of a criteria or some kind of you know one thing that my husband Mark and I have both talked about is you know, if someone says, you know, boy, we'd really like an AED, and we're like, nah, you know, I don't think they need one. And then they, someone has a, you know, an event there, a sudden cardiac arrest event there, then, you know, how bad would we feel? Uh, you know, I mean, I know it's all, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I actually, I have an AED. Someone gifted one to Mark and I, so... So we have one. Right now I actually have three in my living room, and I kind of feel bad because they're in my living room, but one of them is going to St. Paul School tomorrow, and then one of them is going to the library that's going to be used as a lending AED. So you'll be able to go to the library if you have a family reunion, if you have a festival, if you just having a party, you can check out the AED, and it'll... You know, you can take it for... I'm, I'm so instead of a library book, you're going to check out an, an AED. AED. Yeah. That's, that's so. a wonderful idea. Yeah, we recently, just a couple episodes back, we had uh, Marshall Rinder, who is a board member with the library and also an attorney here in Highland. And he actually brought that up as one of the things he was most proud of, that, you know, you guys were able to work that out as a community. Mm-hmm. Because there's no excuse. You know, if there's no excuse to not have one. It's free. It's there. It's available. Now, I would ask you this, Gail, are you 
targeting sports-related events or, or sporting facilities, or is this something you're kind of looking at it that the event can happen anywhere, and so we're looking to provide this to as much to anybody that we can? A little bit of both, actually. So, you know, on one hand, yes, anybody. But um, last year for Greg's birthday, his birthday is January 6th, which happens to be the screening that we're doing this year. That's his our birthday present for him. But last year for Greg's birthday, um, we decided, you know, we we kind of pick who gets the ADs by people, you know, asking, or we maybe see a need. But we decided, you know what, we'll just kind of do a little lottery thing, have people make suggestions on who, you know, they want to receive an AED or who they want to nominate. So um, last year on his birthday, I was I was working with, who is now a good friend of mine, uh, Kathy Pottest. She had lost her daughter in a four-wheeler accident, and she wanted to do something to honor her daughter. So... We were kind of just starting to work together about this time, so I was kind of hoping maybe she'd say, hey, we'll donate an AED in our daughter Allie's name. But that wasn't set up yet. So on Greg's birthday, we drew a name, and, you know, Pick Park and Piron was the park that got pulled. So I'm like, oh, this is great. So I said, we're going to pull another one, which actually, you know, some of these places hadn't, you know, people nominated them, but they may not accept the gift. So right. they might just choose to buy one yeah. on their own or if it's a for-profit business yeah. or something or they like might, that. Okay. You know, unfortunately, some people might think, oh, I don't want that. It might be a liability or, you know, people have different things. So anyway, we pulled a second name and it was uh, um, Alhambra Park. So it was like, oh, both of the parks. I see a trend here. You mean Greg pulled Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> so, so as it as it turned out that the Pottis family wanted to donate an AED to Pick Park because their Allie's grandfather was instrumental in getting the park together, so they have a presence there. So they did that one and then we were gonna do Alhambra and then it was like, you know what the heck, we might as well do Grand Fork too. So we did all those parks and um in January last year, we also did one at Rinderer Park, which we thought would be a good location because there's a lot of people walking on that uh, Veterans Parkway, the new All Abilities Playground, and there's the dog park too. So it's it's a pretty busy it's park. It's a very busy park, yeah. There's a uh, lot of activity there all day. Yeah. Like, so you've donated to churches and parks and some schools. Um, is there other places that maybe people wouldn't necessarily think an AED would be necessary that you have donated to? Um, one place we donated to was Giggles and Grins Daycare Center. They approached us and they wanted, you know, they wanted an AED for their school. They had just done their CPR training and you know, I think a lot of people would be like, well, those are all little kids and you know, but you know, little kids have, you know, cardiac events too. There's a lot of parents, grandparents. There's also school-age kids that are there. So, well, not to mention the aides and the teachers that and the staff that work there too. Uh, yeah, so that's so, great. So that was that was one place. Uh, we also donated one to the We Rock the Spectrum Gym in Edwardsville. I'm kind of thinking that a lot of places where there will be someone with a disability of some sort they may also have an underlying heart issue. So I think that's kind of important 
to me. Now, were they, was that a place that was nominated or was that a place that you felt needed one or did they reach out to you? They kind of reached out. I think that they were, they kind of asked us about like, how much is it? And, you know, I think it was something they were thinking about. I'm not sure if it was something they could afford because they were just starting out. So we kind of thought, you know, I think that would be a good place. And, you know, I have, my grandson goes there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I go there. There's, yeah. you know, there's a lot of people that are in and out of there. They have a program called Grand Friends where they have some senior citizens come in. I, I'm not exactly sure where it's from or who sponsors it, but it's a, a group. And then they have kids that come in and they do singing and they do kind of some activities and things together. So, so yeah, so they have all ages in there. So that was, that was one place. We donated one to the actual library. They reached out to us and asked for one. The Knights of Columbus ball field reached out to us and we donated one there. I know there's one inside the Knights of Columbus Hall as well. Yes, and they they did that before we even got into this. So, Gail, I know that these AEDs cannot be, they're not cheap. Um, So how much does it cost to implement one of these at a facility? Roughly $1,000, give or take. Sometimes, um, I mean, actually right now, the AEDs that we buy are actually on sale. So the actual AED is just under $700 which is great, but then if you add a wall cabinet, that's about another 100 so we're up to 800 Then uh, if you add an extra set of pediatric pads, sometimes that can be another 100 150 so that's 950 right there, and that's with the uh, unit being on sale. So I, I say roughly 1000 Sometimes it's a little bit more, sometimes it's a little bit less. It depends on if I can hit a special, you know, with the company we go through. Now, Gail, one of the questions that the listeners might have, and I know with myself being a paramedic, um, you know, they might think that they need to have special training or that they don't know how to use uh, the AED. And you mentioned the whole liability thing, but um, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but now with the CPR classes that you guys offer, the AED is actually covered as part of the training with that CPR class, right? Yes, that's a very good question. Usually we encourage, when we donate an AED, we encourage the staff or at least a few people from that organization to go through CPR training. The thing about AEDs, though, is that if you're there, you're not CPR trained, you're not AED trained, you've never seen one, most of the time, if you just open it up and press a button, it'll tell you exactly what to do. So, you know, yes, it's best to have someone who's trained and that's, you know, optimally what we want. But if you're the only one there and you see that AED, you're not going to hurt them. Unfortunately, when someone suffers sudden cardiac arrest, they're dead. There's no blood moving through their body. So they're dead. So you're not going to hurt them anymore by if you're doing CPR and you're just worried that you're not doing it the right way. You know, you might break a rib. That's something that happens. But when you're dead, you're dead. But so anything you can do to help bring that person back is just wonderful. So even if you're not trained, don't let that stop you. But get trained. So one thing, too, I'd like to add with the new AEDs as well, 
there are actually pictures on the package for the pads that you literally peel it off like a sticker, and there's a picture that shows you exactly where to put it on the person's body, on their chest. So, and the the plugs that plug into the AED are color-coded. You can't mess them up. They only go in one way. So, yeah, as a person who doesn't know CPR, you can still easily manage to use the AED successfully until someone else can get there to take over for you. So when you donate to places like, say, the library um, or the park, do you train the people um, when you deliver it, or do they have to get special training? Or how does that work as far as, like, when you put something, put an AED in a place like a library where there's not necessarily required CPR training? That's a very good question. One And to be perfectly honest, when I first was dropping these off, I was like scared to death because I'm like, okay, I think this is how you do it because it was kind of scary. But then as I, you know, I'm more familiar with them, really, they're not scary at all. So what I do is I'll, you know, I'll bring it in and I'll just show them, I'll press the on button, this is the on button here, and then it starts talking. And it just keeps cycling around and around and around until you do something. Now, you never want to just open up those pads and put them on to see if it works because those pads are expensive and need to be replaced. But if you use them on someone that you think needs them and find out, you would find out you don't need them because the, the, the AED would tell you it will not administer a shock unless a shock is needed because once those pads are on properly, it can read the heart rhythm and whether there's, you know, whether there is a heart rhythm or not. Yeah. And the AEDs actually, they will tell you continue CPR or stop CPR when they need to read the patient. Because if I'm doing CPR, I could potentially give a false reading because I'm moving the patient. So it will tell you stop CPR. It will say analyzing, it'll do its thing. And then it will tell you Stand clear, we need to shock or don't. And ultimately for shocking, you as the bystander do have to push the button. So it will charge up. It's not going to automatically just just shock while you're there. It's going to tell you clear the patient, stand back, and then you have to manually deliver it. So uh, they are pretty foolproof um, with, with not much training at all. And, you know, fortunately, I've never had to use one. In an emergency situation. So all I know is the thing that just keeps going round and round. So, yeah. But the CPR classes do talk about, they do have uh, AED trainers and they use them, put the pad, show you how to put the pads on to the CPR dummies. So you do get training in a CPR class. And so if somebody gets one of the machines and they decide, you know, we probably do need some training. We don't have a lot of people that have CPR. They can get in touch with you and you should be able to find a local resource or, or maybe even do a class for them if, if it works out. Yeah, we do. St. Joseph's Hospital. We've partnered with St. Joseph's Hospital here in Highland and they do CPR classes every other month. You can call St. Joseph's and sign up for a class. It's totally free. And like I said, occasionally, couple times a year, we'll hold a class. If I hear of enough people that, you know, that are looking for a class and can't get into the ones at St. Joseph's, we'll have one. So usually about two to three times a year, I'll, we'll have like a, a private one, but usually there's room for other people to get into So it. when you say you, you, you hold private ones, where is that, where does that take place at? Do you have a 
Is it just a building that whoever? Wherever we can go. In your basement, you got room? Sure. Okay. <laughs> so, Gail, we've obviously hit on a lot of things that you guys are doing with the foundation, um, with, again, the training, the equipment, uh, the testing that you do at least once, if not multiple times a year. We all know that that all costs money, um, whether, you know, people try to volunteer their time, and I'm sure you get tons of volunteers, but everything still costs money. What are some of the fundraisers that you're doing annually uh, to help raise money? Each year in the fall, we have our annual uh, wiffle ball tournament. This year was our sixth annual. Uh, we held it on October 12th, and it's held out at the KC Hall in Highland. We have uh, 12 four-man teams that play wiffle ball throughout the day. But to tell you the truth, the wiffle ball itself is just a reason to get people there because that's just kind of the fun part. The biggest way that we raise money through that is through sponsorships. For um, $100 or more, you can be a sponsor, and we'll have a sign out at the tournament with your business, or we have personal sponsors, we have business sponsors, we have anonymous sponsors, people who just appreciate what we do, or some, some that knew Greg and like to have a nice little thing to you know say something about Greg too so yeah so that's that's how we get you out there <laughs> is the wiffle ball well, I can attest to that as somebody that I attended it this year for the first time and I was blown away by just how much you honor Greg that day and how many people that may or may not have known Greg come out to support that and it touched my heart to, to be there and to see that and I know Greg was looking looking down on you and your husband that day and just so proud of you. So it, it was, it, I was honored to be there that this year and I will be back next year and the years to come. Oh, well, thank you. Well, you know, as, as Greg's mom, you know, we get to take a few liberties at the beginning of each CPR class. I talk a little bit about Greg because I can. And at the beginning of the tournament, we, this year we did a bubble blow. Greg's favorite song was Lean On Me, which was another thing I did not know. But that was evidently, he sang it all the time with his friends. So to Lean On Me, we all blew bubbles up to the sky. And, um, and I'm sure, yeah, Greg it was, was beautiful. looking down. But, but, but besides the bubble blow and the, <laughs> and the wiffle ball tournament, we have a concession stand. So we have soft drinks and we, we do serve beer. We have food. We had someone there from Anderson Hospital who did a, um, she had her CPR dummies there, and you could come up and kind of talk to her about CPR and just get kind of a little, you know, scenario how to do CPR. This year, we also had a raffle. Last year, we had about 30 items to our raffle. This year, we had like 70 items. So our raffle just totally exploded, and we we made a lot of money off of it, which is which is good. Each year we've had the tournament, we've raised more money than the year before, which is always good because the longer we do this, the more things we find to spend our money on. And like I said, the things we spend our money on are the CPR classes, the AEDs, and the testing. This is my only job, is to volunteer here, but I, I don't take a paycheck. I don't earn anything. I just get the satisfaction of knowing that I'm doing something to honor my son and that is a big satisfaction because for me I think that's how I can get through this because I know that one I know Greg is with me 
because I know he's helping me along because this isn't, you know, I'm, my training is in early childhood and food service. It is not in fundraising. It is not in medical. It is, it is none of this. I'm just Greg's mom. That's what qualifies me to do this job. Is there another major fundraiser or is that pretty much the fundraiser? That is pretty much the fundraiser. That is what takes us through the year. This year we applied for grants through the Highland Area Community Foundation. And I am pleased to say that we received a $4,100 grant that we are going to use towards our screenings. And that's a big help because that's 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 a big chunk of our, our funds go towards screenings. CPR classes run anywhere from two to $300 per class. AEDs are roughly $1,000 each, but the screenings are 40 some odd dollars per person and we aim to do 100 a year. After I spoke with the ladies auxiliary, I just was, I was kind of on a high the next day. I spent a lot of time just thinking about the memorial fund, thinking about what I said to the ladies auxiliary. Um, I received a very nice donation from them and it was kind of a lot more than I expected. So I was just really thinking a lot about it. And I, my friend was out of town and I was dog sitting for her and she happens to have a pool. So I was just laying in her pool and I'm laying there and looking up into the sky, thinking about things. And I thought to myself, you know, the screenings are really important. We need to keep doing the screenings. And as soon as I said that, a hummingbird flew like right in front of me. And it just kind of stopped and it just kind of flapped its little wings for a while. And then it went on. And I was like, okay. You know, I mean, it was like the minute that thought came into my mind, that little bird showed up. That's Greg. And yes, <laughs> it's Greg. it is. And I, I talked to my friend about it, but I, I didn't even tell her about it right away. I don't know why. It just kind of never came up. And she said... Well, that's funny because I've been meaning to get the hummingbird feeders out to get them to come back. So it's like, okay. So, yeah. So screenings are very important. Yes, that's Greg's way of saying, keep going, Mom. Yes. They're kind of the most expensive thing we do, like I said, but they're, they're important. And that's something that I'm going to try my best to always make sure we can do. So where do you hold the screenings at? Is there a specific place, a specific time that you do them each year? We don't have anything specific. We use a group called MCOR. They are out of Ohio. They usually go through schools to do their screenings. We don't do them through the schools because that really limits who can do it. If we did it through Highland High School, then the kids from modern day or St. Paul couldn't be involved in it. We have ours really kind of like our CPR classes, wherever we can find an available space. The very first time we had them, we had them done a year after Greg died, and this was by a different group called Heart Care Measurement, who has since quit doing that. When we did the screenings with them, we uh, screened 90 kids, and out of those 90 kids, There was one whose uh, mother reached out to me. Her son had an extra electrical pathway in his heart, and it's something called Wolf Parkinson's. He had outpatient surgery over the summer, and he was back playing varsity sports in the fall. That's our kind of win-win there. 
So did she, there was no detection? She had no indication? No. She's an acquaintance of mine. You know, not someone I knew real, real well, but knew, you know, see her around and stuff. And she said, oh, yeah, I think I'm going to sign my son up for that. And then another ironic thing, um, on Greg's five-year anniversary, we were invited to a wedding. And so between the wedding and the reception, we decided to go somewhere and get something to eat. And um, we were there, and it's Greg's anniversary. And, you know, just a little, like, thinking a lot about Greg. Anyway, the waitress came up to us and she told us that our meal was paid for because her friend, he works here and he had surgery. He went to one of your screenings and he had surgery and now he's fine. And so we got to meet that young man on Greg's anniversary and it was the first time in my life I was speechless. I did not know. I was just like, thank you. You know, I'm just so happy to meet him, but... uh, so you and Greg are saving lives. You know that, right? <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, I know we got one for sure. I know we got one for sure, and that's all it takes is one. Right. Once we have one, it makes it worth doing it. For those people that are listening right now, that uh, parent or you know even a teenager, young adult that is thinking, you know, I, I probably would like to have my child have this or I need to have this. What can they expect? Because some people are a little scared, you know, they, what's involved in the testing. Can you kind of talk a little bit about what they can expect getting the test? Sure. What they do, this group MCOR, they do an EKG and they do an echo on all of the kids age 12 to 22 is the age range. An EKG, they just put little stickers on you and they run and it gives you a readout of your heart. So it's very non-invasive, doesn't hurt. The whole test takes 10 to 15 minutes. The echo is like an ultrasound of your heart where they're rubbing a wand on your heart to get physical pictures of your heart. What this group does is they have a pediatric cardiologist who reads them And then they will send you a PDF file so that you have a permanent record. You can take this to your doctor and say, this is what they said on this date. Then, you know, if anything changes in a couple years, you still have this and you can say, well, this is what it looked like two years ago and maybe it looks different now. They do suggest that you get rescreened every two years. So, Gail, if there's a CPR instructor out there or a business that would like to donate monetarily or even some space to do your training, how do they get a hold of you? Well, the best way to get a hold of us is on Facebook. We, we do everything through our Facebook page at Greg Holthouse Memorial Fund on Facebook. We can always use help with people donating their time. We can use space for CPR classes or for screenings. I like to tell people there's 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 things I'm good at, but there's a lot of things I'm not good at. So those things I like to find people that are good at that and then they can help me. That's kind of how we work. So they w- would private message you on Facebook and then you would reach back out to them and they could kind of connect with you that way. Yes. So Gail, if somebody wanted to donate, uh, is that a tax deductible donation that they give to uh, Greg's fund? We are part of the Highland Area Community Foundation. Your donation is totally tax deductible. If you, I always ask people if you're going to write out a check, write it to HACF or Highland Area Community Foundation, and you put Greg Holthouse in the memo so they know which fund the money goes to. 
So, Gail, thank you very much for coming on the show. We really appreciate uh, the fact that you came in and shared your story so authentically. I know this is terribly difficult, the situation you went through over the last several years, but it's amazing to see what you've been able to do on the other side of that for so many people. Thank you. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on too, Gail, and keep honoring Greg's memory. It, I'm in awe of you every time I hear you speak at a, in an event, and you're just you're doing a wonderful job, and I know Greg is so proud of you. So. Oh, well, thank you very much. That's my goal in life, to make Greg proud. Uh, he, he, definitely, <laughs> so. he definitely is. I never got yes. to meet him, but he shines through you. And Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. And also, Gail, obviously, if there's ever anything we can do uh, from the podcast or just Gina and I personally, don't hesitate to reach out. Well, thank you. You guys have already been a great supporter. Have a great day. Once again, thank you for joining us on this episode of the Voices of Highland podcast. And until next time. Have a great week, everyone.